0: From 999 The Fan, this is The Drive with Tim Donnelly, sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at capitalfinancialusa.com.
1: Panthers shocking the world on Sunday. You know, you know the situation is bad when the Panthers are being positioned as you lost to that team, the team that fired their head coach, got rid of two playmakers, and is on an interim head coach, and you're Tom Brady You lost to that team? No wonder Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Buccaneers, called it a dark day. We'll talk to Mike K about what's next for the Panthers in about 15 minutes. But right now, let's answer some Hey Joe questions. Alright, first question comes from Wes. Hey Joe, should you get an apology from the Clemson fans who wanted an apology for DJU? <laughs> so uh clemson pulls it out against syracuse on saturday dj ui angagale was responsible for three of clemson's four turnovers against the orange on saturday um but there's no quarterback controversy joe no quarterback controversy Dabo said straight up dj is our guy well sometimes you know steph curry goes you know two for 25 you your best player, uh, Actually, have a hard stop. Hard stop. Hard stop. Dabo. No, 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 actually, Steph has never gone two for 25. He's never gone two for twenty. usually, I think, the lowest out of shooting 25 threes, he's made seven. I think that's the lowest. Let but me, anyway, let me be
2: consistent on my stance on DJ Uyongalula here. Mm-hmm. Just as we don't owe him an apology for his performance during the 21 season, no one now needs to apologize for asking for an apology for the 21 season because. He, in the previous three weeks, was excellent Mm -hmm. and was the primary reason that Clemson beat NC State. He was the primary reason that Clemson beat Wake Forest. It just so happened that he wasn't great against Syracuse. And Davos Swinney did what a lot of coaches don't exactly have the nerve to do, and that is bench a quarterback, who has been excellent. Now, that's easier to do when you're Clemson. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the great words of wisdom from Mark Godfrey, the got man, Mm -hmm. got another McDonald's All-American on the bench. So... (laughs) It's not like they don't have a five-star quarterback to replace them, right? Right. Right. So those tend to make those decisions a little bit easier. But kudos to him because this is that is who is owed the apology, Dabo. Yes. He 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 overhauled his staff was overhauled not by his own choice it was overhauled. He stuck with the people that who have been with him all along showed the loyalty that he's known for. Could have gone and made a splashier hires made different moves did Mm -hmm. not. Chose to kind of stay the course. Same with his quarterback. Chose to stay the course at quarterback. So he's the one we owe the apology to because he keeps pressing
1: the right buttons. He keeps pressing the right buttons, and people hate it when Dabo ends up being right about things, by yeah. the way. Because, uh, you know, look, Dabo's got his own issues with the way he talks about things and everything else. And, and you know I can't stand the word culture. Yeah. Okay. He's big on that. I
2: can't stand the concept or the word But when you have a game like that and a kid gets benched, DJ Uyungle, Mm -hmm. and he comes out and says, I'm glad we won. The coach made the right move. And then Kate Klubnick comes on and says, ah, hey, man, DJ is our starter. He's the guy. He said that's his team. It's his team. I just came in and did what the coach told me to do. Yep. That is when everybody's lined up, and that is something that you can't put
1: a price on, particularly now in college sports. So a lot of credit goes to Dabo for the way things were handled on Saturday. Also, a lot of credit goes to Syracuse for melting down, by the way. Syracuse was very accommodating for Clemson's comeback in that game well, with a couple of debilitating okay. penalties, me- and just, just – they, they gagged on themselves. I mean, let's just be real. They gagged on themselves. Okay. I think in general – let me let me try to make – paint some
2: – some big brushes here About this radio program Sure You're considered the guy Who you know y- y- You are you don't like to You might be a little Too cool for school You don't like sports You like Aloof. Taylor Swift
1: Aloof Aloof is the word right? That you would use Okay
2: I'm the one You know Listen, this guy, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he, again, paints with this too broad of a brush. He has these, like, blink, you know, first impression, you know, tries to give us these takes based on, you know, three seconds. What the hell does he know? Told you on this program on Friday, Mm -hmm. the noon start would help Syracuse. I told you on this program on Friday, Clemson has been pouring it out. This is a reload the musket game for Clemson. The first 30 minutes of that game played out nearly to the exact point that i was trying to make mm-hmm. even to even even saying i even said before on the twitters i said there is a difference between going to death valley at eight o'clock at night and going at noon yeah absolutely and, and you and that's not a conspiracy no. it's not an excuse it's a reality yeah. that's what it is kudos to syracuse for being ready to play mm-hmm. that was syracuse's super bowl i would love to be the next team to
1: play syracuse just so you know <laughs> just so you know are you saying state caught them at the wrong time no no no, 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 no. they won those all the games they've won, they've, won, they've, fair and they've square. won fair and square.
2: But we are officially in the rhythm method of the season. What did you do last week? What what are you looking forward to next week? Mm-hmm. Because if you poured it out last week, it's gonna be hard to reload the musket. And if you got run out of the gym last week, you better be ready for someone to breathe fire but, all over you.
1: But we have seen some teams reload. Clemson gets a lot of credit for the way they handled things this weekend. I get that. But it took, it took Mike, Elko, yep. Mike Elko oh, and Duke. They surprised me. After a heartbreaking loss to Difficult North Carolina. Difficult loss to Carolina. And after having a nice lead on Miami early on, that that lead evaporated. But they're out there hitting, by the way, mm-hmm. Duke. Okay, that's not what I was expecting to see out of a Duke squad against Miami. There Miami. were eight turnovers, but it was not a fluky performance. No, it was it. not. It absolutely was they not a fl- beat, they, they beat. They beat Miami. That was not Miami just, oops, I dropped the ball. There was like one or two of those turnovers, but what Duke was doing in Miami was forcing turnovers. So that's a credit to Mike Elko yep, for bouncing back. For sure. And Dave Clausen, who you like to position as the best coach in the ACC, after they had a heartbreaker against Clemson, what did they do the following week? Pull Went their pants to up, Tallahassee, two Tallahassee and one. So what we're seeing in the ACC are some well-coached, tough teams, and yet that's not going to be the way the conversation goes around the ACC. Instead, Clemson has a scare against Syracuse. Finds a way to win against a ranked team, and the general attitude is, Circus is a good team. Eh, but is Clemson that good? I don't know. I don't know. They've beaten four ranked teams in the last six weeks, and they've done it in pretty impressive fashion. So what do you want? Well, I mean, it's just the rankings. What? Again, they play who they play, and the narratives are already built in. And when you actually start to look about the comparables, I ask you, as somebody who's voting in the AP, who exactly is Michigan beat? Oh, they beat Penn State. They beat Maryland. Maryland's a good team. Alabama's, Both, at home. Both Al- at home. Alabama's positioned as this, you know, oh, well, Alabama's a football playoff contender. They've been mortal all season long. They should have lost to Texas, and mm-hmm. all their shenanigans finally caught them against Tennessee. But no, 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 Alabama's still better than Clemson. Are they? I have Alabama in front of Clemson, but okay, fine. That's, it's fine. That's neither here nor there. I'm, con- I'm, you know, you talk about me being aloof, that, and yeah. that's true because oftentimes the the mo that I have is Joe's obvious is based on vibes. vibes. That's largely yes. correct. Yes. that's largely correct. But there's a reason why I have the vibes that I have because I watch this crap too, and Clemson is a college football playoff contender. That might upset some people because the die has been cast on Dabo post Trevor Lawrence era. But come on. Your choice. Lean back. Lean back. From Nick. Hey, Joe, where would Clemson finish if they were in the SEC East or the Big Ten East? Oh, is this Fox Sports analyst Joel Klatt chiming in? Because <laughs> that's exactly what he tweeted out today. Uh, Joel Klatt saying, look, here's where we are with college football, especially as we're getting ready for the first college football playoff rankings. College football more than any next other Tuesday, sport. Yeah. It's next Tuesday. College football more than any other sport thrives on en- on the sweet sweet nectar of engagement. So if you can say the most outlandish thing in college football. Like I'm actually surprised that this is still working. I thought we'd be over this. We'd be like numb to the Clemson wouldn't finish whatever. We got to start up in the game. We got to start making outlandish statements like, "You know what? I honestly think Clemson would finish 3rd in the Sun Belt right now." That's what you got to say if you want me to pay attention. Next up, Whoa. All right, this one comes from Robert. Hey, Joe, why did you evil lowdown media put such horrid expectations on NC State this season? I'll hang up and listen. Thank you, Robert. That was pure sarcasm. But I did discover a new subsection of NC State fans who are convinced that it was our fault for NC State having expectations, not Dave Doran, who talked all off-season about what was taken from them last year, and this is your opportunity. Not NC State, who did a all-access thing with ACC Network to draw attention to the program. It wasn't the backdoor Heisman campaign for Devin Leary, D. Leary, D. Leary delivers. No, 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 Jillian, it was us. It's were, fair. One in yeah, doubt. It's, it's fair. Blame the media. And 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 you all made fun of Mac Brown last year. Okay. Next up. How you doing? From Batch. Hey, Joe, where do you stand on the what if NC State was in the coastal discourse? Oh, no. I think since NC State was not playing this weekend and they've got Virginia Tech on Saturday, on Thursday, Jillio, I think NC State's opponent was the argument about whether or not NC State would be in the coastal and how things would play out. So here's the basic gist of this argument. That if NC State were in the coastal division, they would have Won a division title already? Based on what we know about the Coastal, that how is it possible to compete year in and year out when you've got Clemson sitting there? You got to play perfect to beat Clemson, and if and if you can beat Clemson, you'll win the division. What happened last year? NC State. They beat Clemson. Who'd they lose to?
2: Well, they lost to uh, Wake Forest, and who else? Um,
1: a Coastal. team. Oh! coastal team not even the coastal champion. yeah yeah dave doran has a losing record against the coastal but that's you know what I, I can cherry pick numbers all day but there's two things that i do believe nc state under dave doran has had seasons that could have been great but ended up good not because of losses to clemson nc state under dave doran has had great seasons that have been transformed to good because they've lost two Oh, Wake Forest has been the nemesis the whole time. Wake Forest, okay, it's been Wake all along. So you're exactly. You're telling me. You're telling me that NC State's biggest hurdle to Atlantic greatness is against Wake Forest. That should be unacceptable. Number one. Number two. I'm gonna flip the law of the wolf on you, Mm. Joe. Can you explain the law of the wolf since this is your invention? Yeah, the law of the wolf is when you expect the most, you get the least. Okay. You expect
2: the least. You get the most. Mm-hmm. And also, there's an overarching
1: law that says NC State can't have nice things. All right. So, let's take this theory to its logical conclusion. If you are of the belief that nice things cannot happen to NC State, that's the law of the wolf, why do you believe that if you swapped divisions for NC State, let's say for the sake of the argument, mm-hmm. We, we can North, go back in time, North. We go back in time. We get in the Marvel Cinematic Universe machine, and we swap North Carolina and NC State. So North Carolina is in the Atlantic, NC State is in the coastal. You know what would happen, right? In this alternate universe where NC State can't have nice things, where NC State can't have nice, the yes, law of the wolf. So Virginia Tech and
2: Miami remain the powers that they were supposed to be. Yeah, Sh- Shane. And Beamer. in the case of Virginia Tech, were.
1: So so Virginia Tech never drops off with Frank Beamer, and Shane Beamer ascends the throne and keeps it rolling at Virginia Tech. Okay. And Miami actually hires Butch Davis again, and they're back rolling again. Okay? (laughs) Butch. Butch. So Butch is back, and he makes Miami great again, all right? Because you know that's what would (laughs) happen, right? Didn't even think of it. All these years, all these years (laughs) where Miami's just been wandering through the wilderness, if NC State were in the coastal, Miami would be Clemson. Mm-hmm. They'd be back, baby, and Virginia Tech never drops off ever, because that's the law of the wolf. So you see where I'm getting at with this? I see it now. Oh no, it. stay in the coastal, we win. No, it just means that the other schools would be good again, and it would be Clemson. Dabo never, Dabo doesn't do anything at Clemson. Right. He never hires Chad Morris. Never he never hires makes Chad it. Morris. <laughs> he gets fired. He's he's at he's at the Nick Saban rehabilitation <laughs> assistant school. That's what You know that's what happens, right? Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. Thank you. If I was a hot take artist for real, for real, I would have gone on the show today and we would have immediately talked about how Christian McCaffrey was holding the Carolina Panthers back this entire time. I did see Bill Simmons tweet his Ewing theory already. Oh, we went Ewing theory on CMC, huh? Here's yep. Christian McCaffrey. They couldn't win with him with the Panthers, and now he shows up with the San Francisco 49ers, and they, oh, I don't know, get beat by the best team in the AFC. Yeah. Well, so, well second move. 1A and 1B in the All AFC. All right, that's fair. 1A and 1B between the Chiefs. And the Bills. I'll allow it. I am with you. You you and I are both on team Josh Allen. I've come around on that. Okay. And this is the Dolphins guy going, okay, the Bills are good. (sighs) Regardless, it's not lost on me that things seem to be not so focused on Christian McCaffrey. It's not lost on me, too, that without Matt Rule as the head coach, things might have been a little bit more opened up for other guys, Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. It's not lost on me that Steve Wilkes, interim head coach, said, hey, P.J. Walker played well, and given what we've seen out of Baker Mayfield and knowing what we know about Sam Darnold, there's no reason why he can't earn the job going forward. Mike K. covers the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. He joins us on the Houston Automotive Group Hotline. Mike, what's going on, man?
0: Nothing. Just got out of uh, Bank of America Stadium, spoke to Steve Wilkes, spoke to some players, and here I am.
1: And is P.J. Walker legitimately going to earn him the starting job based on what we saw this week?
0: I mean, I I don't know how you'd start anyone otherwise. I mean, we we saw what Sam Darnold did last season. We saw what Baker Mayfield did through uh, the end of the Matt Rule era. I think it would be foolish to take away the momentum following the performance that Walker had in this game. I mean, a total 180 from his Rams performance where he wasn't, Basically, allowed to throw beyond right. the uh, the line of scrimmage. He um, kind of wish he was able to kind of sling it against the Rams just to give them a fighting chance in that second half. But I don't know. You you go uh, duel with with the goat and you come out looking much better. It's kind of hard to bench you after that point.
2: Mike K. Hey, joining us here on the OG and the Hyster Automotive Group hotline. That's Joe Avias. I'm Joe Giglio. Uh, it- Mike, there's there's a difference between maybe the owner or even the, the general manager quietly trading away their best player and, and saying to themselves, hey, guys, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for us to have one of the top three picks in the next NFL draft. But the players and the coaches who are still there, they certainly don't think that way. How do you kind of square, as someone who has to explain this to fans, how do you kind of square that in your coverage?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's the famous Patrick Ewing uh the... Theory that when you take away the guy who needs manufactured touches and constant um, attention, that other guys will evolve. And I think that's what you're kind of seeing here. I mean, look, the team was one in five with Christian McCaffrey. Like, he was their entire offense uh, for six weeks. And I think at some point you have to know when to quit. And when you get an offer, look, they came into the week – before the Robbie Anderson trade with nine picks over the next two years. Now they have 14. Um, That says a lot about your future because you have to make this place enticing, right? Christian McCaffrey is an enticing piece. Obviously, the 49ers traded four picks for him. Um, But I think when you look at the defense, it's a little bit better built. You have some pieces on offense, but – you also have to feed Christian McCaffrey to be successful. And, and as we saw yesterday in the 49ers game against the Chiefs, he, he got some touches, but he wasn't like the entire offense. And you saw how little he helped them in that game going up against the juggernaut like the Chiefs.
1: Mike K. joining us, Charlotte Observer, covers the Carolina Panthers here on the OG alongside Joe Giglio. I'm Joe Ovias. All right, So they trade Christian McCaffrey. They get that second, third round, second, third, and fourth, and then a fifth in 2024. And then here comes Adam Schefter going into the weekend, ESPN, saying that one team offered the Carolina Panthers two first-round picks for Brian Burns, uh, who was instrumental in the win this past weekend against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's fairly obvious that the Panthers view him as a franchise player, but Two first round picks certainly is enticing. What was the talk around Bank of America today uh, related to that report?
0: Well, last night he wasn't having any of it. He heard the report. Um, As the Observer confirmed uh, later on Sunday, you know, the conversation did happen. Um, I saw that uh, Jonathan Jones from CBS clarified that the picks weren't 2003 and 2004, it was more 2004, 2005. And so I think you know, if you're a general manager like Scott Fitterer, you want immediate results. You also want to be able to entice a um, head coach. And pass rushers, especially ones who ascend at the age that Burns is, they're so hard to find. And it's so hard to find a guy who is as vocal as a leader in the locker room at 24, 25 as Burns is. So I think he's really on this upward trajectory and they don't want to trade away a guy who could maybe be viewed as a top five pass rusher in the league for years to come. Um, you know, it's nice getting first round picks, but you also have to nail those. And And so I think, you know, the risk outweighs the reward for them in how they view him as an internal piece. You also don't want to send the wrong message to the rest of the locker room. Um, you know, Steve Wilkes is, has been given uh 12 games to really prove himself. You're two games down. You have 10 left. You're right on the cusp uh, of the division lead, even as bad as you are. I mean, I just don't think there's a lot of logic to trading Burns at this point, unless somebody really gears up and offers two immediate uh, returns for a first-round pick. Well, Mike, it's almost
2: like the the reason you trade Christian Mac- McCaffrey was proved on Sunday, because you have Deontay Foreman, who, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not like they... they made a big outlay to go get Deontay Foreman, and you can get production out of him. Whereas a player like Brian Burns, you you literally do have to hit it in the draft to get mm-hmm. a pass edge pass rusher like that. So I don't blame them for not trading Brian Burns. I, and I don't blame them for trading Christian McCaffrey because I would blame them for the contract for Christian McCaffrey. That right. Joe and I disagree on this, but I, it's not a position you give the money to. And they're lucky to get out of that contract, in my opinion, for the last three years.
0: Right, and and there's two schools of thought around the league, right, is that he's more than just a running back. Sure. Oh,
1: so I, I would admit to that for sure. Serious. They they, they right. poorly well, used Christian – they were using Christian McCaffrey as a between-the-tackles running back uh, before right. they fired Matt Rule, and I'm like, why?
0: <laughs> Come well, on now. No, and I agree with that. I was uh, – you know, Ellis Williams, my great partner, who does a lot of analysis, I mean, I would turn to him and I'm like, I don't really understand this. This guy is a, a bounce-outside – you know, Brian Westbrook style runner, mm-hmm. and you're, you're just putting him uh, between the tag. I just, to me, it, it seemed like they were trying to make him somebody he wasn't, and we saw how that affected the rest of the offense, right? Like, so, I mean, from my perspective, this is an offense where it's very timing based. You want guys that can do multiple things, but you also want to have them fit in those roles. Deontay Foreman, um, you know, I was covering Titans camp. Uh, during training camp before I got here. And, you know, he's a guy that drew comparisons to, like, a poor man, Derrick Henry, and you kind of saw that on that 60-yard run. Um, you know, I, Chuba Hubbard still needs to kind of gain the respect of, of onlookers, I think, because of some of the fumble issues some the inconsistency. But he and, and, and Foreman really complement each other very, very well. I think the more you see Raheem Blackshear, the more you're going to be really impressed. The kid had a great career at Virginia Tech. He's got uh, some Devo Samuel to him and that you can use him kind of behind the line of scrimmage and in motion. You saw that a little bit yesterday. And look, I think not making Christian McCaffrey the focal point of your passing offense opens up things for DJ Moore, who is a top 10 receiver potentially in this league. And, and I think... For us, Marshall, getting some opportunities is important. You spend a second-round pick on him, see what he can actually do.
1: Mike K., Charlotte Observer, covers the Carolina Panthers. Hey, Mike, we appreciate it. And um, it's weird calling you Mike K. I wonder if anybody actually <laughs> called Mike Krzyzewski Mike K. to odd looks when he was at Duke. <laughs>
0: That is funny. I mean, I used to work with a guy named Joe Giulio in Philly. Philly.
1: So, yeah. There you go. There you go. See. Yeah. There you it, go. It all. Full it all. Time is a flat circle, Mike. Time is a flat yep. circle. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks for coming on.